Rush is back. Hour number two, hour number three, maybe even hour number one. I guess it depends on your perspective. In studio today, 651-3439. You guys have been blowing it up uh, all day. All kinds of stuff coming in. And it's probably my fault that the text messages are all over the place. Um, We've got uh, paintings that are coming in. We've got bands that are coming in. Uh, we've got uh, people requesting to speak about the dual threat quarterback with the short leg. Um, <laughs> we've got all <laughs> kinds of things going on on the text line right now. So uh, I am uh, I am interested in the quarterback with the six-inch short leg and uh, how, how confounding that could be for a defense. Uh, really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I think that maybe – some people when should have checked the expiration date on their eggnog. I think uh, we got some people that hung on to their eggnog a little bit long, and I think that may be contributing to some of the content on the text line. Oh, great text message. Teddy, do you still think OU wins a ring within three years, or have you changed your mind after this season? Great text message. And uh, I'll have you know, I still think it's going to happen. I still I I actually like the timetable um, even better right now than I did. Um, I'll tell you why. Dylan Gabriel uh, is coming back for his second year. We are. Uh, whenever you look at the defense, and we talked about this yesterday, there are a bunch of guys that were first-time starters this year. All right. Um, you know, I don't really need to go through the list. Everyone knows the guys that contributed a little bit previously, but uh, this was the first year. Um, they'll be back next year. Most of those guys, it's going to be their junior year. Some, um, you know, there's there's other guys that are in uh, different positions in their in their career. But here's the thing: I think next year we're going to have a really good year. I think we'll be better than the 6-6 six and six regular season that we had this year, okay? I think that by the end of the year, if, you know, if we, if there, there's a lot of things that need to happen, right? We have to get a lot better, but I think that we could be a team that's contending for the Big 12 championship at the end of the season. The next year is the peak year, all right? And I do think that there could be opportunities next season that Jackson Arnold gets some chances to play. Um, whether it's, you know, Dylan Gabriel has rolled an ankle or, you know, it's it's a blowout and he gets the second half or, or whatever it is. I think Jackson Arnold is going to have some type of um, influence on the offense, not as a starter, but as a guy that, that does get to play some. And that brings you to the third year where Jackson Arnold has been able to absorb, learn uh, under little pressure, but see it done, grow physically, grow mentally. Five-star quarterback is is going to be ready to burst onto the scene. Uh, you'll be going into your third year, uh, assuming the offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, stays and, and, and hasn't gone anywhere, and assuming the defense uh, which, you know, under Venables, it'll still be there. 
barring something catastrophic next season, but you'll have experienced players in systems that they know. All right. And we just had a top five recruiting class. And not just was it a top five recruiting class, we've added, we've supplemented the roster really well with some transfer portal guys. I think if you, and, and I think the recruiting class the previous year, the 22 class, was strong also. There's some good players in there that I think are going to develop into some absolute studs. R. Mason Thomas, Jaron Kanick, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, um, the Jakes on the offensive line, I think have a chance to be really good. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of guys. That, obviously, the running backs with Javante Barnes and Sawchuk, some really good guys from the 22 class. There's going to be some guys from the 23 class that I think are going to turn into some stars. And all of that builds to that third season. And it's early enough to where you still have the momentum, you still have the new, I think, and that's one of the good things about a bit of a setback this year, um, if you're trying to find some positives in what, what occurred, there's a little bit of, of setback that kind of, it resets how you view momentum, right? If we would have had a 10-win season this year, and had an 11-win season next year, I don't know how, how, how people would have necessarily viewed that as a, 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 you know building a bunch of momentum going into that, what I consider to be a championship year. You reset it this year. You can have a 10-win season next year, compete, perhaps win a conference championship, and have some serious momentum with a five-star quarterback, uh, you know, ready to take the helm, and an experienced, uh, physically, mentally prepared team that understands their offense and de- defense, gearing up for uh, a championship run. Now, there are some things that are obviously working against you. First year in the SEC, right? It's it's going to be new. First team in the 12-team playoff. And I say that's working against you. Perhaps that's working for you. Um, We'll just have to see how all of that plays out. So to answer the question in a very, very long form, yes, I still feel really good about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everything you said kind of lends itself to the you want the right blend of veteran experience and – and young talent, right? And I think I think that timeline really tracks. And you said, you know, be entering the SEC. Um, I mean, look at Missouri and look at Texas A&M. Some of their best times, I feel, especially with Missouri, um, were immediately when they showed up in the SEC. So uh, not saying that that's a guarantee or kind of what went into that, but, you know, getting, getting the first crack at some of these guys, uh, uh, it seemed to have worked in the past for some other teams. Um, now, obviously, both of them have kind of settled into the bottom of their respective, um, you know, the, the West and the East. But you know, it, early on, they had some of their most successful years. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that'll happen with us. I hope it does. There are no big time defensive tackles 
in any of those classes. They can have a good year, but it won't be a championship year until they do what they need to do to land those inside guys. Uh, I would say that we just had a, a really good defensive line class for, for 2023. Um, 2022, we got uh, – our Mason Thomas was in there, a good edge guy. Here's the great thing about the current situation. Like, I, would, I would agree that you would love to have a, a top 10 defensive tackle. Uh, it, and when I say top 10, I mean top 10 NFL draft pick defensive tackle to go win a national championship. And uh, the good thing about it is in this day and age, you don't necessarily have to have it. And I may say that that guy that you're talking about is about to start his freshman year in College Station, right? So uh, you, you just you never know what, what could happen there. And, I mean, there's going to be roadblocks. It's not a guarantee, and I'm not suggesting it's a guarantee. And, you know, I, I think with, with anyone, it's going to be a low percentage chance situation other than uh, perhaps a, a Georgia or an Alabama under under the current circumstances, but I, TCU, in my opinion, has a chance to go win a national championship this year, and that's a good football team. Well, by definition, they do. They're playing for it. Yeah, that's a good football team. If you if you don't think Oklahoma can be better than what you're seeing on the field with TCU. This season, if Oklahoma can't be that in in two more years, then I just have to strongly disagree. Yeah, I mean, you look at specifically defensive line at TCU. I mean, they've got – they've just hit. Like they hit on a kid that totally outplayed the guy across from him um, and has been playing well all season, you know, right in the middle of that, that uh, three-man front that they run. And I'll tell you what. I know it doesn't seem like we've been recruiting defensive line well. Grayson Halton, uh, I think, will be a good player, but by the time it's all said and done, he kind of um, kind of headlines the defensive lineman in the 2022 class as far as a rankings perspective goes. But this 2024 defensive line class could be absolutely nasty. Like I'm talking, like in the in the pantheon of best of all time defensive line classes, at least on paper in Oklahoma. I mean, you got David Stone. The possibilities of David Stone, Williams, you know, Noah Mary. Right. Um, you've got Nigel Smith uh, out, uh, um, out out of Texas that is an OU lean. You've got um, a, a lot of guys. When you start, you don't have to scroll very far to see all of the OU targets, some of them that already have crystal balls to Oklahoma. Right. And I know, I know we feel a certain way about crystal balls. I totally get it. But at the same time, Oklahoma is set up extremely well to get – uh, one of the, if not the best defensive line haul they've had in over a decade uh, in the 2024 class. So, and, and you never know, Teddy, we talked about it. There's this second round of transfer portal that's right. guys. Well, you that's what no I'm saying. Idea. Like, I, it, it, I don't, like, even if you don't get top defensive line re uh, recruits this year or even next year, for that third year, I, the portal, I think the portal is going to be something that is really big for Oklahoma moving forward, especially on the defensive side, you know? Right. I mean, we're not even through the first part of the first, like the first part of the first part of Brent Venable's 
first time at the portal, and we're already making assumptions on what the roster will look like moving forward. Like a little bit of patience, at least through at least let us get through one, uh, you know, recruiting or a transfer portal recruiting cycle before we start determining what uh, Brent Venables and Todd Bates can do with a defensive line. Yep. No, uh, I agree. Um, text line. Teddy, can you fill us in on the best way to break in a baseball glove? Yes, I can, actually. You take the glove and you go to um, – there's a sporting goods store in Moore right there on the west side of I-35. You hand it to them and they put it in this, like, steam thing – and it makes it feel like it's been broken in for, for years. So, yeah, there's your quick and easy answer. And it's pretty cheap, too. Only takes a handful of minutes. Uh, works like a charm. Um, people are sleeping on Derek LeBlanc. Dude is going to be a game changer, in my opinion. We'll see. Uh, I think that he's there's, – there's obviously a tremendous amount of talent and potential there. He's one of the guys. He's one of the guys in the class that I actually uh, question, you know. And I and I haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of him. So, and and I know that there is no science to it. And there's there's guys that I've seen before that I thought were going to be great and weren't, or guys that you know I thought weren't going to be good and were. He's he's just got an interesting build to me, and. We'll see once he gets here and gets on campus what he can do. I mean, he was able to go out there and mix it up with the guys uh, down there for bowl practice. So uh, I know the coaches really like him. He's got a good chance. Now, uh, will he be a game changer? Perhaps. I I would be shocked right now if P.J. Adabari is not a game changer. Right? That, yeah. That's the guy that I think is just uh, – who knows how good he could be. All right. Just looking at the measurables right now, and and I hate to I don't I don't want to put any undue, uh, you know, predictions or anything out there, but he is I I saying that he is rare is a massive understatement. He's more than rare. He's unicorn ish. Yeah. No. I mean, and I think we saw that right. I mean. It's, it's one thing for us to kind of get into the Oklahoma echo chamber. Um, you know, we talk about these recruits every day. We talk about this class, these transfers. We talk about this team every day, right? So it's easy for us to maybe um, overestimate some of, the, some of the guys that, you know, signed with us, right? Because it's natural for you to think, oh, man, we, we evaluate better than everybody. We actually signed the, the best of the class where everybody else's guys are are overrated, right? So, uh, but when you start to hear the national people, uh, you know, talk about them, I mean, they could not, they could not stop just ranting and raving about uh, PJ Adeboare, and uh, yeah, they, the dude's the real deal. Uh, but again, you've got, I mean, I still think you have some Clemson guys that are going to enter the portal. You probably have some Ohio State guys that are going to enter the portal. You, I mean, there, there's still a lot of meat left on this portal bone. And as we said yesterday, BV is big game hunting. Every single portal transfer he's brought in is either a, star, a shoe-in starter. At least two of them are shoe-in starters. And the rest are pretty well – I mean, they're going to be on the two deep. So, um, again, be patient. There's still a lot of people to enter the portal. You don't want to fill up on the buffet before they put out, you know, the prime rib. You, know, right. you, you know, wait for everything to be out there before you fill your plate.
I think the proper reference there is at Ted's Escondido Cafe. Don't have too much uh, chips and queso and tortillas before you uh, before you get your your final meal. That's and I'm speaking to myself whenever I say right. that because right. I, I do that every single time. Easier said than done, though. I know it. I know it. Um, e- let's see. There was a text I was wanting to get to. Uh, oh, it was. Um, do you think BV would possibly look at Key Lawrence at the Cheetah spot? I can't say for sure, but my hunch is no. I consider the the Key Cheetah guys to look at next year as. Uh, in no particular order, Jaron Kanick, uh, um, the Desan McCullough, the transfer portal guy from Indiana, and uh, and Harrington, the the safety that that came in last year played played sparingly, didn't play a whole lot, played a bunch on special teams, but I think uh, I think those are your your three guys that I would really look to for the cheetah spot and. In my opinion, this is one of the key reasons among a bunch that I think the the defense is going to be massively improved next uh, next year. We we will have whether it's any of these three players and and maybe there's there's a couple other names you could throw in there. We're going to be massively improved at the cheetah position. We're going to have the body type meant for that position, um, speed. More speed, more athleticism at that spot. Uh, Deshaun White was a great fill in there, but you know he's a, he's a thicker inside backer type of guy. Uh, he's he's pretty good in open space, but he's not the athlete of not, not the level of athlete of any of these three guys. Uh, these are all um, excellent top speed guys, excellent footwork guys, great change of direction, explosive athleticism from all three of those guys and we didn't have that at the position last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really see any of the especially the defensive positions um not taking a big step forward, right? I mean, you could go level by level and I mean, just the simplicity of having a second year in the system or not simplicity, the 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 fact of having the second year in the system I think is going to do wonders and more starts under their belt more experience more reps I mean that's all good stuff another offseason with Schmitty like I think I I think it takes a a very big step next year but I do think you know it's I don't know I I think we still add probably at least two more um, starters on the defensive side now where that comes from I have no idea uh, but, you know, with guys like Woody Washington coming back was a big win. Obviously, C.J. Colden uh, has declared for the draft, so that other corner side uh, is going to be open. But I think it's a good competitive year where they don't have to focus 100% on installing for the entire football team. You know, you don't have to – Brent it now has been a head coach. He doesn't have to think about just the, the little things that come with being a head coach uh, that, you know, he had to get used to. So um, all signs are pointing up with with really the entire program, but, yes, specifically the cheetah position and the interior of that defense. Uh, text message. Teddy, who's a comp for PJ? I don't think you want to hear the comps for PJ because it's – like I said, I don't want to put undue pressure. Don't be sunshine pumping. Well, 
it's just a fact. The 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 comps for PJ Adebare are they are massively few and far between. You got to go to guys like um, you got to go to guys like like Miles Garrett, guys like like Von Miller that have that type of length, that type of explosiveness. I mean, I and I don't even think I don't even think a guy like Miles Garrett, who was a five star, has the type of wingspan that you're talking about with PJ Adebare. It's it's like I said, it's unicorn, unicorn type stuff. But we'll see how the development goes. You know, this is this is a high school kid who's who's fairly raw, who has incredible get off, incredible um, body measurables. Looks like he's got a great motor. Looks like he wants to be great and is, you know, comes from a a, a good background. He just checks every single box, but. You know, I you just never know how it's going to unfold. I saw Lawrence Taylor on there. Yeah, he's going to be probably at least two, maybe three inches taller than Lawrence Taylor, and his arms are probably like six inches longer. So we'll see what happens. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Stay tuned. Rush is back. Teddy Lehman here, Travis Davidson, hanging out in T Town. Connor here with me in studio in beautiful Norman, Oklahoma. What about Javon Curse for a PJ Adabare comp? I was actually thinking about that uh, whenever we were talking about it in the previous segment, but I I was like, man, I don't know if that's too long ago that people would remember the freak at Florida who uh, uh, Bob Stoops coached uh, there. That guy was uh, incredible. Yeah. I think that's the exact type of guy we're talking about. Uh, PJ Comp on Rivals was Alden Smith. Yeah, maybe he was a taller guy, had some length. I think that you know maybe body type wise, that's a good comp. But as far as um, like the type of like the type of mentality and player you're getting couldn't be any further from Alden Smith. So, um, interesting. Does yeah, Witter start? Regardless, at, yeah, go ahead. These start. conversations, it's good news that we're having these conversations. But right. again, it's some lofty, lofty standards. That, and what I, you can't be, uh, you know, game one complaining that, uh, you know, PJ isn't playing, you know, 50 snaps. You know, it's, right. it's like Teddy, like you and I talk about freshmen, let them. Let them develop on their own time. Like the coaching staff will get them out there when they're ready. Yep. We'll see how it unfolds. Jason Taylor, uh, Julius Peppers, I, all these guys are um, like that's the body type you're 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 looking at here, and we'll just see. We'll see how how he develops. Um, big, 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 uh, big chances there. So um, we'll see how he develops. I. It, like one of the things that you love the most is how raw he is, how Oklahoma got in on him whenever he was a relative unknown. And I just from it sounds like the time they got eyes on him and he committed 
like to where he is now, it's like almost in the last year, he's he's just already a totally different animal in one year. Yeah, no, I, it's it's everybody everybody gets there and reacts differently, right? To to coaching, to nutrition, to classes, to all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and that's what Brent Venables is trying to put into place, right? The cultural process you know, that inside-out type building. So uh, I just uh, saw a tweet that uh, I know, uh, I know. you know, football is the steak on the plate, as Steely likes to say. But, um, you know, OU basketball lost a tough one uh, by three points uh, mm. to Iowa State last night. Uh, they just did the, uh, the, the Ken Palm Top 40. Uh, every single Big 12 team is currently in the Ken Palm Top 40. With a conference rating of 1836, only 24 teams in the entire country would be expected to go 500 or better in the Big 12. This last part really gets me, Teddy. Last place Oklahoma, number 37 in the Ken Palm, would be projected to win 23 different D1 conferences. <laughs> that's that's insane. Right. Absolutely insane. But, yeah. hey, that, that's the Big 12 for you this year, man. Well, here's the thing. Um, Record-wise – it could be a frustrating year, right? But I would say that I I love that the narrative out there is positive. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. The public it, perception it's is that, recognized. Well, like, like right. people recognize how good the conference is right now, and like Oklahoma, it, it's not going to come down to what Oklahoma's record looks like at the end of the year. Right. It'll be the, uh, um, you know. The, the SEC bias that we talk about with uh, the uh, college football playoff rankings, the you know the, the highest ranked one loss team is always an SEC team. The highest ranked two loss team, three loss team, four, you know down and down you go. It's always an SEC team. Um, I think you'll start to see that with the Big 12 in basketball. So it's a positive sign early. Uh, need to make the tournament this year though. There's no doubt about that. Yep, 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 yep. We'll see how it goes. I guess I'm I'm kind of seeing some stuff as well. If anyone cares, maybe they don't, but. Uh, Harbaugh is, you know, there was a statement put out by Michigan and he has, you know, I guess re-emphasized that he expects to be at Oklahoma or Oklahoma at Michigan coaching Man, breaking en- news. Yeah. Coaching enthusiastically next year. Um, I love whenever these things come out because he doesn't say, listen, I, I like that people are interested in me, in me as a head coach, but I'm not leaving. I will be here next year. He doesn't say that. He says he expects to be at Michigan next year, right? It's It always frustrates the hell out of me because you haven't done anything. You addressed the rumors and didn't shut them down at all. If anything, you just, you know, lit the fire a little bit more. Just right. say you're staying. You left the door open. You right. left the door open. Just say you're staying. Or say, you know what? I expect to be here. I'm having some conversations to see if I've got some interest in, in perhaps some other jobs. But I, I don't expect that I'm going to leave. Uh, you can you could say that you're still exploring the option. Like He's trying to make it sound like he's for sure staying without saying that he's for sure staying. Well, and don't say, I will not be the next head coach for the Denver Broncos. And then go take a job with the Bears or something. You know what I mean? 
Um, you know, that, that happened around here, and everybody fell for the, uh, oh, he's not going to LSU. That must mean he's staying. And then 10 hours later or 12 hours later, whatever that was. But uh, interestingly, you know, the Michigan thing, Nicole Auerbach uh, tweeted about a half hour ago, um, you know, she's with The Athletic, does a good job with them. The Michigan football program has been under NCAA investigation and expects to receive a notice of allegations by Friday, source told The Athletic. Source says it's relatively minor infractions, but investigation also centers on the program's response. So maybe that's why he left the door open. Centers on the program's response, huh? Okay. Now, I'm not trying to um i'm not i'm not trying to defend michigan but this is in my opinion i wish i could say some different words but this is crap by the ncaa Uh, tell me what that means um what's the exact words on the response from Michigan. I'll I'll read it again. Um, The Michigan football program has been under NCAA investigation and expects to receive a notice of allegations by Friday, source told The Athletic. Source says it's relatively minor infractions, but investigation also centers on the program's response. Centers on the program's response. So um, what it's saying is it it centers on on the program's response to... The notice of allegations, right? Um, what does that get you? How how did Kansas respond to the notice of allegations, and how did Oklahoma State respond to the notice of allegations? Were any of those two things different? Yes. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's going to end up uh, with a postseason ban after whatever Michigan does. Yeah. Well, that's the point. Is Kansas responded by saying, ah, yeah, we'll see you in court, whatever. Um, yeah. We're just going to continue on with what we're doing. And Oklahoma State responds by bending over backwards, doing everything that they need to do, um, letting go of the people they need to let go of, uh, you know, catering to every single thing the um, the NCAA request of them, and they get hammered. And Kansas, nothing. In my opinion, if I was Michigan, I don't know what any of the allegations are, but my initial hunch is to tell the NCAA to shove off. Yeah, they're we'll a rudderless ship right now. They, yeah. I mean, they're a rudderless ship. I mean, we've seen it happen with basketball or with football, right? I mean, A&M had a video of a coach on the field saying, you see those people up there in those suites? They're going to pay you a lot of money if you come here. Like, Stuff that's on video and people are like, hey, you seeing this? Like, they're a rudderless ship. They have no teeth. They're they're not going to do anything to you. So I I completely agree with you, Ted. Just tell them, hey, all right, cool. See you later. Right. Well, um, the NCAA is in in my opinion a reflection of our own government. Everyone's treated differently. Who do you know? Uh dollars and cents uh, using threats of of um, suspension or sanctions as a way to get people to to conform or or whatever you know uh, it's 
I don't know. I'm I'm sure Michigan's guilty of whatever they did, <laughs> right? I, like I'm oh, sure yeah. they're guilty of whatever they did, but I'm also sure that Ohio State's probably guilty of the same thing, and and Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota and Penn State and everyone else in the Big Ten has probably done the same exact things that Michigan has, right? So, but if you don't bend over backwards and do exactly what the NCAA demands of you well i guess even if you do though it just depends on how they want to treat that particular uh institution they ask if they do everything they ask you might be in trouble all right quick time out more from the rush coming up stay tuned rush is back teddy layman here travis davidson in t-town connor hanging out as well in the uh, ref studio, 651-3439. Got a bunch of texts rolling in. Uh, Dylan Gabriel announces today around 2.15 p.m. that he is coming back uh, to the University of Oklahoma. Going to run it back. Uh, at least as, as I've seen, have not still have not heard from Marvin Mims. I'm not sure whenever that announcement is is going to be coming, but it's got to be sooner rather than later. Uh, we're ticking along, ticking on here pretty deep into uh, uh, into the. Uh, gosh, I guess the the school starts here pretty quick, doesn't it? Isn't it coming up in a, in the next week or so? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it feels like that because I, I, I'm pretty sure it's that's why they picked the December 18th date to shut down kind of the mid-year enrollees because, yeah, because school starts. This is a student-athlete situation, so they do have to be in class. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's get to some of the text. I know someone was asking about uh, Shane Witter, if he's going to be starting. Uh, got hurt early on. I think he had a shoulder injury or something. Um is that what he had surgery on, if, if memory serves? Will he be the starter coming back? Uh, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to say with um, with Witter. He, he's got great speed, great athleticism, got a little bit more of a straight, li- uh, straight line guy. Um, I don't know. I think there's going to be a really good competition there. And I'll just tie all this in because I saw someone ask about Kobe McKenzie as well. I think with I think with Canick, Kip Lewis, and Kobe McKenzie, I think those guys have have come on fairly strong here towards the end of the end of the season. Um, Stutzman's going to be your starter coming back, uh, probably starting at the Mike backer spot or. Or perhaps the Will. I think he actually played Will this year, and Aguebu was the Mike. Um, those two spots are fairly interchangeable, uh, but I, I, I don't know if maybe some whoever starts at that other spot would they move Stutzman to Mike? I'm not sure, but fairly interchangeable. Um, but I would expect like the big question we just don't know right now. And I don't even I'm not even sure if the coaches know is where does the Deshaun McCullough kid play? Right? That's the right, big right. question. If 
if they played him inside backer, then I think you'll have Stutzman and McCola at inside backer. If they play him at Cheetah, I think I think you'll have uh, a really good competition between uh, Canick, Witter, and probably um, Kobe McKenzie at the mic. Um, Barring and, any other transfer portal moves, right. obviously, right? And I guess you could throw Kip Kip Lewis in there too, but you're not going to have a you're not going to have a four a four deep. Like Stutzman has to have a they have, like they're going to be working someone at the at the number two spot between behind Stutzman, and I'm not exactly sure who that's going to be. Um, so if if McCullough plays inside. I think Canick will be vying for the Cheetah spot. If McCullough plays Cheetah, I think Canick will be vying for the other in spot, inside spot. We'll just kind of have to wait and see what it looks like, what the depth chart looks like once they get everyone in, know exactly what the roster is going to look like. And I don't, I don't foresee them. Um, I don't foresee them taking another inside backer uh, through the transfer portal as of right now. But I guess it just kind of depends who gets in and and what the portal looks like over the next couple of days. Yeah, it would have to be like a leave-the-light-on type of guy um, to enter and just be an instant impact guy that you just can't turn away, and he just really wants to play for Brent Venables. So. Um, it's interesting with, with Witter because we've always heard about his speed, right? And, and when, you know, when Venables first came over, everybody thought, oh, you need speed, but you need somebody that's, you know, played linebacker, this, that. Then a lot of people just associated him with the cheetah position. Obviously, the injury didn't allow him to kind of compete. So, I mean, this is put up or shut up here for him, right? But he's six foot, uh, you know, he's like 225, somewhere around there, um, you know, it should be interesting to see if the last year's freshman developed. I know you and I were kind of talking off air yesterday about some of the freshmen, and from the sounds of it, you know, a couple of them are ready to contribute. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Will, Danny and Jaron McCullough is the cheetah. I think it could play out like that, but again, I'm not sure the I'm not sure the staff even knows about that yet. Right, but but you could rotate Jaron and McCullough there too, right? If you wanted to put Jaron at Cheetah and McCullough, I mean, yeah, but you've got I, some versatility there. You do, but I mean, they're going to figure it, and it's going to be set whenever they go. Now, I, if here's how I see it playing out: if if McCullough is your Cheetah, okay, I see Canick playing more inside. And whenever we go to sub package, I think um, Justin Harrington would now be your new cheetah, and McCullough would be now an edge rusher. Okay, does that, is, does that make sense? If yeah. if Canick is your cheetah, I think McCullough is inside backer. And when we go to sub package, he is now an edge player, and 
maybe like a, a that's where maybe like a Kip Lewis or someone would now be in an inside backer. So there's there's those three different positions there that are going to be interchangeable. Right. I do think that McCullough is going to play edge, you know, on on different downs and distances. So that's kind of the the thing that you just you're not sure right now what he's going to do in base base downs. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number three next. Rush is back. Hour number three. A lot of news coming out today. Dylan Gabriel is coming back. Texas has fired Chris Beard with cause. Michigan under NCAA investigation. Um, Looks like minor violations, but the way that the university responded to those violations is is what everyone, uh, or not everyone, what the NCAA appears to be uh, at least focused on. Uh, and Harbaugh also gives a, a statement saying that he expects to be back coaching Michigan. He's not saying he will be back, but he expects to be back at Michigan in 2023. We'll hit some of that info coming up next and uh, some of your text messages, 651 